Hi there, this is Boggle Docs, the podcast that equips you to be prepared for patients consulting about current sizzling media issues. I'm Dr Nick Kendrew, a GP with a keen interest in how medicine is covered in the media and how we can use that to make both our patients and our own lives easier. The main discussion in this episode was recorded before the tragic Turkey-Syria earthquake. If you'd like to donate to either the UNICEF Earthquake Appeal or the Red Cross Earthquake Appeal, there are links in the show notes. Stay tuned as we discuss the boats that the UK government wants to stop, and more importantly, the people in them. Amongst other things, we'll be discussing what drives somebody to risk their life in an inflatable dinghy that isn't fit for purpose. How a strong sense of self can help you, even in the gravest situation. And how a young woman from Syria fled her country and ended up competing in the refugee Olympic team. But for now, let's start things off in the usual way, with a smile. This was the week that the news outlets were reporting on a 48-year-old man from Hungerford who got a letter from the Department of Work and Pensions notifying him that he was dead and telling him that he needed a letter from, you've guessed it, his GP to prove that he's alive. The letter on the Hungerford surgery-headed notepaper said, I'm writing as the above gentleman's general practitioner. I can confirm I consulted with him today in person and that he's alive. And this is Boggle Dogs. Hello and welcome to your happy place. With that feeling that you get when you get to do something that you love and you haven't been able to do for far too long. Hello. It gives me great pleasure to say we're here to keep you going during these difficult times as we take a more human approach to the medical world and learn something along the way. Boggle Docs is the podcast for GPs and allied healthcare professionals that's accessible to everyone. It takes the pulse of the nation by looking at medicine in the media and uses that information as a springboard to help you target your CPD. And all of this is aimed at giving us a heads up so that we might have an inkling of what might be on our patients' problem lists so that we know what we need to know. Please follow and rate this podcast because that's really important for all the algorithms in the world of podcasting. Boggle Dogs with Dr. Nick Kendrew. And this week, I'm joined by Dr. Hussein Al-Zabaili. Hi, Hussein. How are you? Hi, Nick. I'm very well. Yourself? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. And you've had a really busy 2022. So what are your plans for 23? They must be pretty exciting. Yeah, God, yeah. 2022 has been um, a bit of a a whirlwind um, adventure so far. And I've I've been (laughs) super grateful for a lot of the opportunities that I've had. Uh, Going into 2023... I'm trying to really focus on one particular sort of challenge that I've set myself, and that is the um, World Triathlon Long Distance Championships, and that's in May. So pretty much sort of my my sleeping time, my eating time, my thinking time, I'm trying to devote as much effort into that to try and make the most <laughs> of that opportunity. So just a micro challenge then. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, good luck with that. We'll be able to follow you, I'm sure, on social media and, and monitor your progress. So so all the best for that. That's very exciting. Um, well Thank done you. for even applying. I mean, I couldn't even, I wouldn't even be able to fill out the form, I don't think. So. <laughs> well, no, it's great. Like this year, like the, the aim of, of 2022 from like sort of my own sort of personal uh, triathlon journey was to qualify for that championship. So making the cutoff was... Uh, was just a weird and surreal moment. Um, I just want to try and make sure I get made the most of it next year. Yeah. Well, congratulations for getting this far. So all the best for that. Um, and yeah, I guess we should probably wind back a little bit and get you to introduce yourself. Yeah. So my name's Hussein. I'm a GP based in Warwickshire. And I have a very keen interest in lifestyle medicine. So I work at the Royal College of GPs the lifestyle and physical activity champion excellent and how long have you been doing that for that has been since september 21 and what would you say looking back at what you've done so far with that role what's the thing that's really kind of stuck out for you 
the bit that I probably would say that is going to last longest in my memory is after a year of working hard on an initiative called the Active Practice Charter, which is essentially a, a charter where primary care practices and PCNs can sign up to putting physical activity at the forefront of not, not just the staff, but the patients as well. And we had a, a celebratory conference this year where we sort of showcased what a lot of the surgeries had been doing. And just to see some of the amazing things that had been achieved all across the country and, and, and the individuals and teams that had led that change, it was really quite moving to think that sort of the work that we put in and getting this set up and, and launching this project had made a difference. That's amazing. And I think what's wonderful to see is how lifestyle medicine is becoming more and more prominent. Um, and I think the thing that gave it traction and, and has got things kind of really moving forward has been the effect that has been proven with lifestyle and being able to put diabetes, type 2 diabetes, into remission. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's, there's over 20 chronic conditions where things like physical activity and other lifestyle measures have a significant impact on. And, and for the vast majority of the case, this is more powerful than medication. And that's not to say that drugs don't have their place and their uses. They absolutely do. But we've got to remember that the cornerstone of good health is in lifestyle, not in medication. And we just need to make sure that we don't miss out on that opportunity because often with the way that our environment is created, um, we aren't helped, um, if that makes sense. You know, whether it comes to, you know, our electric whisk or our robot mowers, you know, there's lots of things that we sort of may put into our lives which take out a lot of the movement because before we just moved to survive, didn't we? But now... Movement has to be done in prescriptive time periods for half an hour runs or with a gym membership. And mm. We've created all these barriers to what is purely movement. And we know that the body gets a lot of benefit from that. Exactly. And the patients love it when you get to de-prescribe medication um, and, you know, de-prescribe it with a good reason, such as if, if somebody um, has been working really hard on their lifestyle and their HbA1c is looking really, really good, and then you can start thinking about weaning down on medication. It's it's wonderful to see, isn't it? Absolutely, and and you know the evidence there to promote the fact that GPs mentioning physical activity to patients lands because like there, there was a really interesting statistic that one study pulled out, which was that when you're giving smoking cessation advice. The number needed to treat for significant change is somewhere between the region of 50 to 120. Mm -hmm. But for giving physical activity advice and achieving a, a change there, it's about 12. So wow. people do take heed of the GPs and other healthcare professionals' advice. And I know that sometimes it can feel as if, you know, it's not going to be taken on board, but really the data suggests that it is. And, and so sometimes there are measurable differences from small interventions like that. Excellent. And and so what I, I've been doing with my guests is that I will ask them um, to see how they're doing. I will ask them if we were watching a musical of their life. Um, I haven't asked people what they'd call that musical, but anyway, that's another story. Um, but but what, if, if we're watching a musical of your life, what song would we be being watching being performed at the moment? I would say from sort of musical Hamilton, sort of my shot, that sort of, that, that song of where I've been given the privilege to have certain opportunities given to me. I just want to make sure I make the most of them and I make it count and so others can, can benefit from it. Brilliant. And what a show that is. I, I was so lucky mm -hmm. um, before we went, we went into lockdown for the first time. That was the last kind of thing that I did that week. Uh, and I think it was on a Thursday and I went to go and see Hamilton and it was phenomenal. So I will be forever grateful for that bit of sanity before, before everything changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so if you've not seen Hamilton, Absolutely. it's a fantastic musical. Isn't definitely it? strongly recommend it. And it's also, I think it's on Disney plus it's streaming as well, isn't it? So maybe yes, it is. I've seen it on there as well. <laughs> Do an episode about that perhaps <laughs> in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the other thing that I'm talking about with, with my guests is uh, that I think we'd all agree that primary care uh, is, is very difficult um, at the moment. Um, and in fact, 
when I, when I, at the beginning of the intro of all the podcasts, I normally say something along the lines of, you know, we're here to help you through these difficult times. And when I've been on the, the break over the summertime and the autumn time, I was kind of thinking, I wonder what I'll say when things get better. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of toying with that idea. And then <laughs> I needn't have bothered. <laughs> I think we can park that for a little while just yet. So, 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 but what I'm asking is, is what, you know, some people have got life hacks to help them through the day. So have you got a life hack that's helping you at the moment? Oh, it's a hack that has sustained me through a lot of sort of sometimes stressful and, and, and extremely busy days is that connection with patients. And, and, and often we can start to lose that when just got long lists and the way that we work nowadays continuity care isn't the same as it was before but connecting with those patients that you've you sort of met before and and you, you've spent time with just spending that little extra 30 45 seconds just having a human conversation rather than a sort of clinical conversation that makes all the difference um, yeah because just finding out how people are doing what their interests are what make them tick that's kind of why I wanted to get into this job in the first place. You know, don't get me wrong. I love managing chronic conditions, I guess, like the next person, but it's meeting people. And I think we've got to make sure we don't lose that out because if you cut those things out to save time, then at least for me, the reward just plummets down. So I think that safeguarding that little bit of extra time, no matter how busy the day's going, just means that I finish the day thinking a lot more sort of content. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of gives gives you better job satisfaction and it gives the patient better satisfaction with, with their experience too. So um, that's a win-win situation, um, but difficult in this climate, I have to say. But um, but yeah, I, I completely get that. So thank you for that. Um, and I was thinking actually how we can try and make our lives better with, with what we're doing and what we, what we are up against. And the thing that strikes me, particularly when I'm doing a duty doctor shift, is that we are being asked to make decisions bang 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 from all different angles and yeah. and it's it's exhausting by the end of the day you're absolutely shattered and i know that um back in the day um brain training was quite a good or quite a popular thing and there were lots of kind of computer programs and apps and stuff where you did brain training um and i just wonder if anybody's listening um who might be clever um there must be something in helping us to practice making decisions quickly and with clarity without becoming exhausted i don't know whether you can train yourself to do that um but it, i think it would help all of us what do you think oh god it really would isn't it and like you get to the end of the day and even when your partner asks you to like what do you want to watch on netflix and like my, my, <laughs> the decision fatigue is so high that i literally couldn't be bothered yes. um and and you're right like if there if there is a a, a training tool to help with that decision burden and fatigue, then yeah, sign me up. Uh, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I, I do feel that often the, a key part for me is to just sort of sometimes detach uh, myself a little bit and just focus on, on just doing each task at a time rather than looking at the big picture. Cause if I sort yeah. of look at the big picture, the amount on the list, the amount in total, then it's daunting, it's anxiety inducing, um, but if I just focus on a, a task at a time and just hyper-focus on those, then it just feels sometimes a little bit easier. But don't get me wrong, there's many days where you just get to the end of the day and you are completely wiped out. I, I, I often tell like my wife, I say, I'll do a marathon over a duty doctor day <laughs> any day of the week. You know, it speaks like, volumes it's so it. much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I completely agree. I've, I haven't done a full marathon. I've done a half marathon, and I think I'm, I'm with you on that because at least you get the endorphin yeah. rush at the end. I mean, it might be hell when Absolutely. you're doing it. <laughs> so, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Um, so, I wonder if you could share with us what we're going to be talking about today. So, today we're going to be talking about the uh, film on Netflix called The Swimmers. It really did. Um, connected myself 
uh, quite profoundly. Yeah, I I saw it as well. And as I was watching, I was thinking, I need to do an episode about this. This is such an amazing film and very emotive film, very powerful to watch. And and we need to talk about what the issues are raised in this. Um, so I'm so pleased that you came to me and said, can we talk about it? So I was like, mm. yes, definitely, let's do that. Um, <laughs> and I first saw about it um, on social media. Uh, there's an actress called Pearl Mackey, uh, who um, she was one of the Doctor Who companions back in the day. She was brilliant um, and she's a very accomplished actress. And she posted about about The Swimmers and said, this is an amazing film. Make sure you watch it. And then I saw the trailer on Netflix and my jaw hit the floor. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it because in the trailer, mm. and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more later, they, there is a, a, a competitive swimming gala that is going on. Uh, and one of the main characters is swimming in a race. And as that happens, um, bombs drop on the venue and all around. And there is a bomb that drops in the swimming pool in front of her. Um, and time freezes. And it is just something else. So um, we are going to be talking about the swimmers a little bit later on. There's lots to talk about with that. So thank you, Hussein, for being with me today. And we're going to start all of that in a few minutes after we first of all look at the news headlines. On Spotify, on Apple and on Google Podcasts, on your favourite app and on your smart speaker, this is Boggle Dogs. And we start with The Times and indeed every other news outlet, a Zempic-style weight loss jab to be available on the NHS. The drug semaglutide will be offered at specialist clinics under the brand name Wigovi. It says here tens of thousands of patients will be given weight loss jabs on the NHS after new guidance from the treatments watchdog has been hailed as a pivotal moment in obesity care. So this is basically talking about the fact that semaglutide has been approved by NICE for weight loss and weight maintenance, um, but it can only be prescribed by specialist services with strict criteria. Um, I'm sure we're going to get asked about this, so it's well worth knowing about. This is also going to be the pearl from Red Whale um, currently, so um, have a look in your inbox for that one. And basically, NICE are recommending semaglutide for weight loss or weight weight maintenance alongside a reduced calorie diet and increased physical activity in adults only if it's used for a maximum of two years in specialist weight management services with a multidisciplinary approach including tiers three and four and they have at least one weight related comorbidity and they have a BMI of at least 35 or a BMI between 30.0 and 34.9 and meet the referral criteria for specialist weight services. NICE also remind us to use lower BMI thresholds, so usually reducing by 2.5 for people from South Asian, Chinese, other Asian, Middle Eastern, Black African or African Caribbean family backgrounds. Next up, it is the mail. So sorry to have to talk about the mail, but we've been phoned about this one already, so it may well be coming to your surgery too. Um, Doctors hail revolutionary tablet that will slash risk of heart attacks and strokes, which can be used by people who can't take statins, and the NHS has already approved it. So they're talking here about um, bempedoic acid. Uh, And what they're highlighting is that there has been a new trial, the Clear Outcomes Study. And this has shown that amongst statin intolerant patients, treatment with um, bempedoic acid was associated with a lower risk of major adverse cardiovascular events, which will be death from cardiovascular causes, non-fatal MI, uh, non-fatal stroke or coronary revascularization. And just to remind ourselves that as we speak currently, uh, the uh, the NICE guidance would say that um, um, bempedoic acid can be prescribed for primary hypercholesterolemia or mixed dyslipidemia if statins are contraindicated or not tolerated, um, and also if ezetimibe alone does not control LDL sufficiently. So that is that one. And finally... The Express. Now I've missed The Express. So here's their headline. Add um, add certain fruit to drinks uh, daily to lower cholesterol. Studies show significant drop. And it says juice from the citrus fruit resulted in a significant drop in bad cholesterol levels in a study when consumed daily for a month. And uh, so this was published in early March 2023. And so they have decided to quote a study from the Journal of Basic and Applied Sciences 
in 2010, and it was trialling the use of lemon on rabbits. So it said here that citrus fruit and juices have long been considered a valuable part of a healthy and nutritious diet. And it's well established that some of the nutrients in citrus promote health and provide protection against chronic disease. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think the thing is that we all might need to remind our patients that they'll be thinking, oh, is there does that ring a bell? What kind of citrus fruit shouldn't I be having with my statin? And of course, um, we all know that it would be uh, grapefruit that they're not they're going to have. And the reason for that is because um, grapefruit juice, when taken with simvastatin and atorvastatin, increases serum concentrations um, and therefore increases the risk of rhabdomyolysis. So um, there was a study back in the day, back in 2016, which was published in the DTB, which showed that a single glass of grapefruit juice increased simvastatin levels by 260% if taken at the same time as simvastatin and by 90% if taken 12 hours after the simvastatin. And it increased atorvastatin levels by 80% regardless of when it was taken. This is Boggle Dogs. Now, often we'll talk about a story with my guest after we've done the news headlines, but because we've got Hussein here and hearing him talking about the Active Practice Charter, I thought we'd ask him a bit more about that. So Hussein, tell me a bit more about that. So the Active Practice Charter is a commitment made by a practice or primary care network to embed physical activity for staff and patients. There's five key principles, um, and that is around improving physical activity in staff, improving it in patients, reducing sedentary activity in staff and sedentary activity in patients. And the final one is connecting with a local physical activity provider. Now, you may think, well, Reducing sedentary activity and increasing physical activity, surely that's the same thing. That's, that's, that's very much two sides of the same coin. But it's not because you can have, for example, a lifestyle where you do regular physical activity. Maybe let's say in the evening you go for your run. But if you spend 10, 11 hours sat on a chair, as often can be the case when we're working in our busy clinics, we know that that can have harmful effects that isn't offset by those periods of physical activity through the week. So we have to work on both, both on the sedentary activity and increasing the physical activity. And it's really easy for practices or PCNs to sign up. If you just Google the active practice charter, it will take you to the RCGP website where you can simply fill out an online form explaining what you've done to try and combat those things. And we're not looking for Mass changes. We're looking for small, meaningful ones. For example, switching off that electronic call buzzer so that you go out from your chair to call the patient in. Just getting up from that chair every 10, 15 minutes has been shown to be really beneficial. We, um, we do that in our practice. We, oh, we, gee, uh, oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, because well, our, ours broke and we couldn't afford to replace it. So, <laughs> so we've been doing it out of necessity, but <laughs> it's really good. Um, so it, we, we've embraced Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Win-win. You've saved some money <laughs> totally. and, you know, you've reduced your sedentary behaviours, little things like that. Yeah. So putting out like a cycle rail so that the patients have an opportunity to cycle to the practice and lock up the bike um, rather than taking the car. You know, it's little things because often I think sometimes people feel with physical activity, you have to do something big. You know, it has to be a big event or etc but no like really we need to try and engineer movement back into our daily lives so yeah. um so it's it's a real a call to arms so anyone listening and they want more information please just go on the rcgp website if you just google active practice charter it'll take you straight there uh, and i'd love more more to join and it sounds so it's quite an easy form to fill out it's not going to put people off it's not like 27 pages long or something absolutely not it's got five <laughs> boxes for each of those five areas and simply one or two bullet points in each box stating what you've done and don't worry like i'm not going to check on you it's not like some cqc inspection where i'm going to come around and <laughs> check that you're definitely not calling patients in uh, you know uh, it's 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 simple and it's more about joining a movement because if if together we can say that look we've got this number amount of practices all feeling that physical activity is vital that can really help us when we're pushing for more support more access um, to resources uh, for improvement in guidelines those kind of things so it's, it's kind of about joining a movement where we can all just send out that clear message brilliant and what about standing desks are they helpful Absolutely. Standing desks are really helpful. We, we have quite a few now um, at uh, my practice. 
And one GP has gone even further where they've got a standing desk and they've also got balance boards. So they're sort of balancing on this board <laughs> while standing up. So uh, they probably, they're, they're probably doing a full workout by the end of the day. But, you know, standing desks are definitely helpful. Like the, the, the key is what we found is when people use a standing desk, they're far more likely to move around. That makes sense. You know, the, the even just sort of pacing a little bit. Uh, and it's also been shown to improve concentration. Um, so like, there's, there's win-wins there. Yeah. And a lot of the standing desks, they will have a feature where you can just lower them and, and raise them. So therefore, when the patient comes in and maybe they're not able to stand, because many patients actually enjoy doing their consultation standing up. But for those that can't, you can bring it down so that it's accessible. Excellent. And um, how about attendance generally with things like going to the gym and going to park run and all that kind of stuff with lockdown lots of people were, were doing anything they could to could be active and get out has that been maintained Do you know what when, when we're going through lockdown i kept telling my wife and colleagues that we're going to see a massive boom in you know attendances to activities like park run um to your local 10k events the gym etc but unfortunately realization has been that the numbers have dropped um, really that's both for paid activities like gyms but also free activities like park run they they never have they have, since sort of returning from lockdown they haven't reached back the numbers where they were um just before march 2020 um and also over this year we've seen a slow decline in attendance rates, which has been really upsetting to see. Because I know some of the amazing work that organizations like Park Run do to try and make sure it's accessible and open to all. Um, and it's starting to come a little bit worrying. We need to really try and take action to prevent this becoming an even larger problem than it already is. Do you know what I think we need? And it wouldn't be that difficult to do. Mm-hmm. I think we need some kind of prime time TV show which embraces the medicine behind sort of being active and all that kind of stuff and, and shows patients who have had got amazing stories where they've, they've turned their condition around. Um, you know, it's been helping with pain relief, that kind of thing. I mean, there must be something in that, don't you think? 100%. And like many may think that, well, surely lots of people know of the benefits of physical activity already, but that's not my experience for a, a big chunk because I run NHS lifestyle clinics. These are sort of group consultations with patients with various chronic conditions. Um, and when we discuss some of the, the the benefits of physical activity, the science and the studies behind it, many of them are truly shocked at the impacts that it can have. Uh, and also there's a lot of incorrect assumptions and fears around um, things like movement and other lifestyle interventions that are unfounded and have, have come from sort of incorrect assumptions and information so absolutely we need to have more in the public eye which is promoting and explaining in very non-judgmental ways about the benefits because too much for example you know i I was watching the world cup that that, that was Mm. recently on and the the adverts around these sporting events are just filled with fast food. There's one advert which tells you, don't bother running for your takeaway, just ring up, it'll get delivered. <laughs> and you just think, you know, like yeah. the, the people we're watching and cheering on, on the sport program, they're not living that lifestyle, um, yeah. yet we're promoting it for the people that do. And I just feel that like these are opportunities to really promote physical activity, not do the opposite. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that the, the starting point, as as you rightly pointed out, that the, the sports bodies do need to look very closely at who they are being sponsored by and what message that sends out absolutely 100%. Um, and absolutely. I think any kind of prime time kind of show that deals with these issues, you're absolutely right. The tone needs to be spot on because if it, if it comes across as being preachy, people will just switch off. But if it's kind of fun, if it's entertaining and people learn something without realising it, then that is, I think, the the holy grail for this. So so hopefully that will happen. I mean, they used to do kind of kids shows about this kind of thing when we were much younger. Um, I think there was a show called Activate yeah. or something on Children's yeah, BBC like if, back if in the day. We look across like what our activity levels have done, even just over the last 60 years. Like in the 1960s, we were 20% more active than we are now. Um and that's just a big shame, you know, that that's going to make a, a big difference and an impact on on our daily lives, how, the quality of life that we're going to get 
in our older age. Exactly. So watch this space. Hopefully that will happen. Um, so we're going to be talking about The Swimmers, which is a film on Netflix that Hussein has asked me if he can talk about. And I'm more than happy because it's an amazing film. So we're going to be talking about that in a few moments time. And this is where we'd normally say it's time to look at the week in daytime TV. But we felt that we needed to cast the net a bit wider to include magazines, any TV, any radio, social media, all that kind of thing. So this is what's on our radar at the moment. And so we're going to start off with a tweet that we put out earlier on this week, all about EastEnders. And so uh, Whitney and her partner, Zach, uh, they have discovered that their unborn baby was um, has been diagnosed with Edwards syndrome. And so this very tragic storyline has been playing out this week. And so you could see that if you look on the iPlayer, but also on the tweet, there are some uh, resources or um, some support organisations that we might need to direct our patients to. So that's worth um, having a look at, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, Also, uh, Men's Health magazine. So their headline, What is Natural Viagra and How Does It Work? And it says that they they rise to the occasion and dive into the world of sex supplements. Now, it's reassuring to see they talk about the fact that if somebody has got erectile dysfunction, they do direct them towards uh, their their primary care clinician. Uh, So we might get patients asking us about that. But they then do go on to talk about natural Viagra and supplements. Uh, And it does say here, it's undeniable that the placebo effect explains much of the success of these supplements. Then it does go into the different ones. So uh, we might have patients consulting us about that. It might be worth thinking that maybe our patients are taking these things and asking them about it if they do um, have erectile dysfunction problems. Moving on now to Women's Health magazine and their headline, I spent eight years campaigning for an endometriosis diagnosis. Now I've channeled my rage into a film and so um, because March is Endometriosis Awareness Month um, to mark the occasion for 2023 filmmaker Jasmina Saleh did, um, she details in an article with them her struggle for a diagnosis to explain her debilitating crushing pain and the reason that she transmuted her experiences into a short film so that would be worth having a look at um, and um, over on Steph's Pack Lunch on Channel 4 they've linked up with uh, Zoe Uh, to um, basically the Big Poo Review, which is launched on Channel 4. uh, And um, basically what they're doing is um, they're wanting the nation to tell them about their poo. Uh, So you can sign up and talk about your bowel habits with them. And that's at www.bigpoorreview.com. If it's on your radar, then please help us to get it on our radar because we need you. We can't we can't possibly keep an eye on everything that's going on. So we have a hive mind out there. So be really appreciative if you could send us things that you've seen or heard um, and you can DM us. So we are at Boggle Docs on Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us, um, which is boggledocs at gmail.com. Boggle Docs. And now I'm joined again by Hussein and we are talking about the Netflix movie, The Swimmers, which is based on an incredible true story. And what piqued my interest particularly when I, I mean, I saw the trailer, as I said earlier on, um, and on on Netflix itself, it says called undeniably powerful by the Hollywood reporter. This drama about two Syrian sisters won a four minute ovation at the Toronto film festival. And you can't get much better than that. Um, so Hussein, tell me, tell me why, why we're talking about this film. Well, I, uh, I was actually struggling to go to sleep when um, I put this uh, film on. I sort of woke up at about three, four in the morning um, and just couldn't quite get to bed. So I decided to just t- to get up and I wasn't planning on watching a film. I just switched on the TV as I was sort of having my breakfast early and just going to get started with the day. Um, and I started watching five minutes of this. And, and like you, I'd seen the trailer and it was just exceptionally powerful that image of the bomb landing in the swimming pool just floating there in front of the swimmer so I just wanted to just watch five minutes and my plan was then you know I'd, I'd sort of get to work for eight thirty, etc but I, I didn't stop I, I watched the whole thing there sort of, sort of in the early hours I was supposed to be doing some like little extra work I thought I could get ahead of my day etc but um I I just I watched the whole thing and it went like in the blink of an eye, um, because I was just so gripped by it all. I don't know about what you think, but some of the scenes in the in in there were really powerful. Even from the get go, if we look at the opening scene, mm-hmm. and there's that sort of uh, air football that gets thrown into the swimming pool, 
But obviously he's then mirroring the the bomb that comes in later. Yeah. But I think just because you know it's in sort of Syria, your sort of constant perceptions on edge. So you mm. see that sort of that, that toy land in the swimming pool, and then you see the two girls that are just lying there lifeless. Your mind is always constantly thinking that this is gonna be something dark and, and, and dangerous, etc. But then you realize it's just kids playing and having fun and that Syria in fact is very much like every other country in the world in, in some respects and that is um that it can be a place of of joy and uh, and happiness and so from the get-go this film absolutely gripped me yes and it's what you said is so true um in that it starts off and you get to know these people uh and you see normal families living a normal life uh going swimming dancing, going out clubbing. And there's a really powerful scene at the beginning where the two sisters, Yusra and Sarah, are dancing away in a club yeah. um, and they're having a really great evening, just as any two teenage sisters might do. Um, and then in the very distance, almost like I think they're looking over a balcony, in the very distance, they, they you, first yeah. of all, you think maybe it's fireworks, but it's not. It's, it's bombs dropping in the distance. Um, and... Yeah. I mean, we all know what, you know, what's been going on in Syria, but it's, it's the first time that, that that kind of creeps in. But at that point in time, it's distant. And the thing that really struck me, and I, by the, I have to say, by the end of the film, I was really angry um, because it really showed me and, and it really highlighted the fact that in this country, in the media, this situation, it talks about refugees as a group of people that's them they don't have names they're just called refugees and and because of that because of that depersonalization then it kind of after a while it doesn't really register on your radar because you're not talking about individual people and their families and their individual situations and that's the the way it's fed to us from the media and this film completely turns that on its head in, a, in an amazing way, but in a very powerful way, in a very upsetting way to watch, because you then realise that all of these terrible headlines that we see about people in in the boats coming um, to this country or to other countries and and mm-hmm. perishing on their journeys, it's, it fills in the gaps because it makes you realise a just how awful their life must be to do that in the first place, b what they've been through to even get on that boat. It's not a walk in the park at all. They've probably been ripped off and they've got no other choice. And then, you know, what 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 then happens? And this film just shows from a, a human perspective what these poor people have been going through. And I think everybody needs to see this because they need to see what what is going on out there. Absolutely. It's not going to be an easy watch um, from that perspective because as I think Yustra puts it really well, in saying that, you know, she she isn't a refugee. You know, she's from Syria. She's just someone that's been forced out. Um, and these people have identities. They have lives. To think that you're going to get on a makeshift dinghy and cross hundreds of miles of, of water, when we're talking about the Mediterranean there, that are often... You know, it's extremely dangerous to risk your life at the age of what she was 17 at the time. That just puts into perspective, you know, what she's having to try and fight for. She wasn't just doing it for herself. She's doing it for her family. And I think you're right. I think too often we dehumanize refugees because sometimes it feels easier to turn a blind eye um, when, when we don't think of them as humans. And uh, I do wish that just... We could do more to support uh, those that are having to flee um, war-torn or poverty-stricken countries and and look to just open our hearts a little bit because these people can bring a lot to society. You know, you look at what people like Yusra uh, has done in in her country, Germany now, and, and she's an inspirational speaker and has, has, has done some incredible things even beyond her athletic achievements. And we just got to remember that these are people and we, we can't ignore that fact. Yes. And, and Yusra, if for people that haven't seen the film, and 
we don't want to give too much away, but but she is a very accomplished swimmer and she manages to find because she they end up in Germany and she manages to find a swimming coach who helps her to develop her swimming even though she has very little when she first arrives in the country um, and he he nurtures her talent um, and then it transpires that there is a refugee Olympic team which she's eligible to sign up for which she then does and she competes under their banner I did some googling afterwards to to you know check the, the the bits and pieces about the story and, and just to find out more about it. Um, and the thing that really brought it home to me about just how the media portray this kind of thing is that I I mean I, I have to say I I don't follow the Olympics religiously, um, but I literally had no idea that there was a refugee Olympic team and something that is so wonderful and has helped so many people, I feel should be common knowledge. It should be celebrated. Um, and, and I was, so that has kind of got me, that's what got me really angry about it. It's like, how could we not, not know this? Yeah. Um, and so I actually did a, a but it poll. just leads into the same thing. Cause mm. go on. Yeah. But like, if that makes sense in the sense that if, if we're highlighting, um, the refugee Olympic team, then it's just going to bring into attention that you can't then, turn as blind an eye to um, the the plights uh, elsewhere. So I, I feel that there sometimes is a sort of coordinated effort a little bit in the sense that y- y- you can't humanise it too much. Exactly, because it then undermines this whole depersonalization, doesn't it? Um, so so I, I, I did a poll because I was thinking, you know, is it is it just me um, or, or is it, did people know about this? So I, I asked the question, um, did you know that there was a refugee Olympic team and that they, they first competed at the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio? Um, and I have to say um, that 59% of people did know that. So it, I think it probably is a little bit me that I don't follow the, um, follow the sport um, as such. But 41% of people didn't know. And I, I think, you know, I, as I said, I don't follow sport religiously, but I am aware of a lot of stuff that goes on. and this is such a wonderful story and yes, it's now seeped through via this film, but I would have expected that this should have leaked through, you know, seeped through into my awareness before. Um, but as you say, for all these different reasons um, and make the main one being that it then challenges the narrative of, of our media, that's why it hasn't happened. And I just, that makes me very sad. Um, so with this film, it also highlights so many things which people who have come to this country as refugees and to any other country um, as refugees, what they have been through and what they are up against. And I think from a primary care perspective, there are so many things that this film gives us a perspective on to bear in mind if we do end up seeing a patient who um, is a refugee. So what what did you think about those kind of issues? Absolutely. The, the element that sort of I felt is that you you can't make assumptions on a person based on the status like that. For example, the, the refugee status is not part of their identity. It's definitely not a bit that they've selected at the very least. And I think that comes across when she approaches Sven, who's the, the coach uh, at the swimming pool, in that he was really taken aback and surprised even that to... Syrian girls as well, women, um, were that serious into swimming. I think a lot of the incorrect stereotypes in sort of Arabic culture uh, is that sort of belief that A, women don't participate in sports and, and B, you know, if they did, surely they, it wouldn't be to that level. And I think credit to the coach that he did end up training her, but you could just see the surprise um, that, that they would even potentially do that. So I think one, one of the key elements that I've taken from this is that not to put someone's status, like the refugee status, high up in, in how I'm going to make those natural sort of inbuilt sort of assessments of someone because the people are just so much more complicated than that. And you have to always dig deeper than that to, to find out what makes them tick and, and how to connect with them. Yes, and... I wonder if there are, there must be support networks out there for people in this situation. 
For the individual or for the clinician? Well, for both, I guess, but maybe that we can signpost our patients to if they're in that situation. Absolutely. Now, for, for, for patients that are coming across that, that I've managed, we have a, a, a local group. I don't know if this is a, a national thing, but there is a local uh, refugee social group that runs out of Kenilworth near where I live, uh, which is one of the key places that I signpost um, patients that I come across too. And I've actually been trying to work with them to look at how we can integrate some movement into the groups and some, for example, walking groups and that kind of stuff. Uh, I'd be interested to know if there was any sort of formalised um, support within the NHS for uh, these kind of groups. It's not something that I'm aware of. Yes. And and I think the film portrayed sort of fit and healthy people coming across um, because of the, the difficulties with the journey. But... There will be people, I'm sure, coming across who have got more complex medical issues that would need support. Um, and and I guess that we will see that evolving over time. Definitely. And, and a lot of the, the scars of the trip will take a while to manifest. I fully suspect many of them will struggle with post-traumatic stress uh, and other mental health related uh, issues, even long after they may have successfully claimed uh, asylum somewhere else and so I guess we always have to keep our eyes open and, and ears close to the ground when, when when we're approaching patients like this whether there are any underlying uh, issues that they may not feel comfortable or willing to share openly. Yeah exactly and I, I think it's it's just about just being more aware of of challenging what might be our perception from what the media have fed us um, and being aware that people that have come across to our country in the way that Yusra and Sarah did in this film, um, it's not a walk in the park at all. They've been through a, a horrendous ordeal um, and we need to be mindful of that when we are helping them if they come to see us as patients. Um, is there anything or is there one thing, Hussein, that you would say that that you would take away from this film? Identity is probably the word that comes to mind and how it's important that we really hold on to the values and what you know, what essentially makes us who we are. And if we look at Yusra's journey, at many points, she could have chosen to give up her identity of, of being a swimmer and, and competing at at the Olympics, the, the dream that she had set herself and had trained with, with the support of her father. Yet throughout all of it, you know, you, you could see her even when she was, you know, on the journey, she would still be training. She would be still doing her stretches, her strength um, elements, long before she even had potential access to a pool that luckily she did in the end. But I think throughout all of that, she didn't want to ever let go of who she was and become a victim, if that makes sense, become just a refugee, you know. And I think that's really important when 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 I'm sort of thinking about how I can take this forward myself is there are many times when you're going to have to feel like you need to give up the things that you love and that you need to do. But it's so important to hold on to those things, to the bits of, let's say, a job that makes it worthwhile or a hobby that gives you that passion. It's so important to hold on to those things because if you lose them, it may be very hard to get it back. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that sense of self is something that is so important to to nurture. And if somebody feels that they've lost that sense of self is to help them to find that again. Um, and I think we both agree that if if Yusra hadn't been so keen on her swimming and had that had, had slipped, um, then the world would be a poorer place from that because she's such an inspirational character. Um, and, you know, how many people have had a film made about them? And to go through everything that she did mm. and still achieve that dream, I think it's just absolutely testament to the character and the resolve and the determination that, she has and that must rub off on the people around her and I think we saw a bit of that in, in the film in, in, in how that sort of that 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 really would affect those that were in within her sphere of influence exactly 
We've been talking about The Swimmers, which is on Netflix. Um, it's streaming now. I can't recommend it strongly enough. It is, uh, it's not an easy watch, but it is a, a phenomenal watch and a very inspiring watch um, and hugely eye-opening as well. So thank you, Hussein, for joining me today. Thank you. And um, we'd love to have you back on again soon. So keep your eyes peeled for, for something else to come back and talk about in the future. Uh, I very much look forward to it. I'll, uh, next, next insomnia night that I uh, can't go to sleep, I'll, uh, that, may, that may produce another, another gem. Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll look out for that and look forward to it. So you take care and all the best until we speak again. Thank you. You too. Take care. And of course, we've got some resources about what we've just been talking about. So if you click on the, the show notes, then you've got resources from the Refugee Council. Also, there's the BMA Refugee and Asylum Seeker Patient Health Toolkit and some um, resources from the RCGP as well. So that is all on there, as are all the other resources for things that we've been talking about throughout the whole episode. Uh, so um, you've got the earthquake appeals from UNICEF and from the Red Cross. Also, all the news headlines are there as well that you can click on. Uh, we've got what Hussein was talking about, the RCGP Active Practice Charter link and also the Physical Activity Hub and all the things that are on the radar as well. So um, the links are now in the show description or some of them are on your preferred podcasting platform. But if you head over to the Buzzsprout site, then you can click on all the links that we've talked about because they are in the show notes. And if you click on the transcript tab, then they are all there for you. So please do take a look. I put them all there myself and I'd love you to have the full interactive experience. And the easiest way to do that is just to Google Buzzsprout Boggle Docs, or you can go over to our social media pages and click on the link in the bio and and we are at Boggle Docs on Instagram and Twitter. If you want me to see something about Boggle Docs, then please use the hashtags either hashtag BDDose or hashtag BDRadar if it's something that you want to have on our radar. And the other thing that you can do if you click on the link in the bio is to leave us a voice message telling us about anything that you've heard or seen and think that we should be sharing, including things that are going on on Med Twitter, or even um, leave us a message about something that you've heard on Boggle Docs. And you can also email us and our address is bogledocs at, um, at gmail.com. That's bogledocs at gmail.com. Well, that is just about it from me for this time. And um, thanks again to Hussein for being a fantastic guest. So, will we have patients asking us about semaglutide? Quite possibly. Um, will we have patients worried about erectile dysfunction who've been taking supplements that um, are being labelled as natural Viagra? Maybe. Or could we have patients who are refugees that need our help? Uh, well, now you have some resources on all of these topics and, and you can take it all in your stride as best as you can. I'm Nick Kendrew and you can find me on Twitter at Nick Kendrew. That's N-I-K-K-E-N-D-R-E-W. And until next time, whatever you're doing when you listen to the podcast, whether you're out for a run, doing your chores around the house or on your way to or from work, then take care of yourself, look after yourself and goodbye. Boggle Dogs. Okay.